Alrighty, welcome back to the Norwood Noise off-season podcast number two and a half. I mean, we did we technically did one during the off-season right after the national title, but that you know that didn't really count. So, um, true off-season podcast number two. Um, and this is we're so bored without our college hoops to the point that we are doing a truly like I, I don't even know like a like a, a a radio response. You know, send in your questions here and we'll we'll answer them on the on the show. So we both posted on our social media today, um, asking for some listeners to kind of drop in what they wanted to hear. And so we're gonna we're gonna go through those questions today. Um, I've got a handful. Graham has a handful. Um, we're just going to trade off, and this is completely cold, so this will get interesting. Um, none of us have done any prior research, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where we go from here. Um, but yeah, we'll get started here. First of all, though, Graham, how are you? How's Columbus? Um, are you ready to be back in Cincinnati? Kind of what are the what are the late summer vibes here? It is Tuesday, July twenty sixth, so we're. I mean, I'm I come back on Friday the twelfth, so. I'm just over two weeks from being from being back in the five one three. What about you, sir? Yeah, I mean, we're kind of just winding it down, you know, seeing the last few friends, making the last few bucks for uh, the school year. I just did the math. I'm about twenty four days out before I head back to school. Um, obviously, you go in early for some admissions and Manresa stuff, but for me, I'm just on the last few weeks as well. I'm I'm super excited. I mean. You know, early last year, there was so much uncertainty. It's like, oh, you got to meet friends. You got to know where your classes are. You got to know all these things. But now, you know the lay of the land, so you really just get to enjoy all the stuff instead of having to worry about it. So I'm, I'm pumped. And the Norwood Noise setup is just going to be that much better, you know, being across the hall. Oh, my God, I can't wait. From my boy. Yeah, so perfect. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, oh, it'll be good. We'll have all the... You know, we'll have good good room set up and everything. It's gonna it's gonna be perfect. So, anywho, alrighty, we're gonna get on with it here. Um, I'm gonna start first with a question from uh, listener one two six. That's gonna be Isaac Hershey, um, his identification number there. Um, and this is a good one. I like this one. Uh, prediction of our of the best mid major team in this upcoming season, excluding Gonzaga, of course, because everybody kind of knows that Gonzaga is gonna be the best. Um, so, Graham, who do you think is going to be the best mid-major team non-Gonzaga region? Um, and for this, for the sake of this, we are going to count both the Big East and the Pac-12 as major conferences. Um, so, kind of the Power Six. Um, but anyone from the American that's standing out, Atlantic Ten, um, you know, the Valley, um, anyone from the WCC, anything like that. What's what's standing out to you? Kind of looking at your early season projections. Um. Well, the first one that I would look is uh, Loyola Chicago. Um, Loyola Chicago is kind of like... So I'm sorry, clarifying question. I should probably just look this up. Are they in the A-10 this year? Yes, they are. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, thought. I'm going Loyola Chicago. I mean, yes, they have to go a step up, but I think that their skill set is kind of one that you could place anywhere. I mean, their style of play, I mean... Even after a year of uh, Drew Valentine, no more Porter Moser, it's pretty much the exact same team of how they played and everything like that. So I, I feel like it won't be that much of a drop off. I could see them being one of those top teams. Um, we're not going to see a Murray State. We're probably not going to see a San Francisco that we've seen the past few years. Um, I'm also going to go with Iona. Um, Rick Pitino, I mean, every year is just even better and better and better a team. I mean, last year I think they went around 25-8. and eight, And I think they honestly might be one of those teams that, you know, has three, four, five losses that, um, you know, they s- steal like a 10 or 11 seed and you don't really know what to do with them because, you know, oh, they only have a few losses, but at the same time, it's Iona. So I have uh, Iona and Little Chicago being my top two. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think I completely agree. I think Rick Pitino is kind of an interesting case, as always, um, and we've seen him kind of building that program for a while now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do. Kind of, I believe that this is his fourth season now, mm-hmm. or is it third? I think it's the third. I can't I really remember third. what yeah, COVID. Right. Like if he came after or before. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I I think it's his third season, so he's getting close to that for that first like full year of like all his guys and things like that. 
Um, so obviously new program expectations and things like that are kind of finally starting to come through. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of see what that uh, what that brings for him and his squad um, this year. So, alrighty, Graham, what's your what's your first question for me, sir? Alright, um, so let's say, Evan, you just finished your fourth year of high school and you're a five-star, maybe top ten prospect uh, for college basketball. If you could go to any school, play for any coach in this current era, where are you going? So this is a really good question, and... Right. So obviously the homer in me wants to say the University of Kansas and play for Bill Self because I, and, and not even like obviously Bill Self is a phenomenal coach and I you know I can harp on that forever, but I would say just the history of the program I think is something that is very important to me personally just as a you know as how I kind of select you know who I'm rooting for across the pond or you know in, in English football and things like that that I don't really have any like personal family connection to. Um, that's always a big thing that I consider, um, you know, so that's always been a, a very important thing to me. Um, so I definitely think they'd be up there. I also, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, like, again, being a KU fan, like, I think Duke, like, if Krzyzewski was still there, obviously now John Shire may be a little bit different, um, but if Krzyzewski was still coaching, I mean, that's just absolutely no question. Um, and then, you know, the spiritualness in me as well, um, because I love my nature and I love my beauty and everything. I think Gonzaga would be awesome. Spokane, Washington's a beautiful place um, and a cool spot to be. So, and obviously Mark is doing a great job out there. And the cool thing about Spokane is you don't really have anyone to compete with. Like you're kind of the man out there, you know? So, you know, say you are a five-star top 10 prospect, whatever you out there, you're going to be the dude. So that's pretty cool um, as well. But I do think overall, like all those things combined, I'd probably say KU, um, but that also might just be kind of the, you know, the homer in me as well. So, what about you, Graham? Where, where would you end up? Um, I, I got this question from one of my boys, and I could not even hesitate. I'm going University of Oregon. Um, reason why, I think Oregon's a beautiful campus. Um, it, I mean, Eugene, Oregon, I mean, doesn't have the best name to it, but man, is it, it's, it's beautiful there. You have Nike School. But not even like Nike school. Like that doesn't even begin to describe it. It's the Nike. It's another level of Nike school. Yeah, it's, a, it's an elite Nike school. The Nike school. Um, and like perks of the campus and, you know, all the gear and everything that you would get aside, you also have a reputable college basketball program. I mean, this is a sweet 16 pretty much every year. I mean, this year... Um, a little bit of a rough draw. I think they went to the NIT in like the second round. Um, but Dana Altman's really built like a great program. I feel like every single year that they have, you know, just a really solid point guard. I mean, in the past we've seen Dylan Brooks and Peyton Pritchard, uh, namely. And I, I think they like, I'd, I'd love it there. Uh, so that, that would be my pick. That's a really good point. I, I know you're a big gear guy, and I think that's a. Uh obviously a really good spot to have it and like you know kind of like i was saying about gonzaga eugene oregon is a really awesome beautiful place so that's a good call Alrighty, uh graham next question from uh listener 483.6 um we've got michael daly here on the line he is wondering um can we get a phil knight tournament preview would you say let, let's start with this let's put it this way i'm gonna get the bracket the two brackets would yeah well because there's two of them mm -hmm. um would you say we got the easier draw or the harder draw in here? I can read it off for you. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, oh. Okay, yeah, read them off, read them off, read them off. Okay, wait, hold on, sorry, now I'm pulling it up. <laughs> we're really, we're really prepared, we're good at this. <laughs> it's uh, the off season. It this doesn't right? matter. Yeah, seriously. It came out yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Six days ago, that can't be right. I scrolled too far. Four days, hold on, we're getting there. Probably could just look this up by now. Mm -hmm. 
so difficult. Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I don't know why I can't find this. Twitter is letting me down here. What, what's going on here? Um, Alright, so we in, in one bracket, um, we have North Carolina, Portland, Iowa State, Villanova, okay. UConn, Oregon, yeah, I got it now. Alabama, Michigan State, and then the other, Duke, Oregon State, Florida Xavier, Purdue, West Virginia, Portland State, and Gonzaga. Um, so well, let's first talk about the, the Phil Knight Invitational, which is the North Carolina, Michigan State bracket. Okay. Um, yeah, so so that's – yeah, okay. I feel like coming off of the national championship game um, – you know, Iowa State losing a few key transfers, Villanova, um, you know, going to be without Colin Gillespie and Jay Bright. It's a little uncertainty. UConn losing some key players. Alabama losing some kids to the pros. Michigan State losing Max Christie. I feel like North Carolina would probably be the key favorite. I mean, most of the teams, these just they reload every year. You know how it is with these big Power 5 schools, Power 6 schools, sorry. Um, yeah, what's your, what's your language? Yeah, I, f I feel like North Carolina would be the key favorite, uh, the main favorite, um, and then Phil Knight Legacy, which is the one that Xavier's in. I feel like this one's a lot more. Um, it's definitely more top heavy, you know. And you know, the North Carolina bracket, I feel like there's six, seven teams that could go out and win it, and I wouldn't be shocked. And yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think, I think. Definitely North Carolina could win that bracket there. Mm -hmm. um, who knows what Iowa State's going to have. Obviously, Nova's a conversation. UConn could win it. I don't know about Oregon. We'll see. I think Alabama definitely could win it. Um, and then again, like you said, Michigan State is, you know, always who knows. Um, but I agree. On the other side, it's more, okay, cool, we've got Duke. You know, I think Florida Xavier will be a good game. Um, and then I think, obviously, Purdue will easily beat West Virginia and Gonzaga's, you know, easily going to be Portland State. So, you know, realistically, I think obviously the TV, you know, the TV contracts are hoping for a, that Duke-Gonzaga matchup in the final. Uh -huh. um, you know, hopefully we can have so, have some say in that. I, I'd love, I mean, I truly would love to see, you know, us play Duke. I think that'd be a really fun um, kind of early season matchup, see kind of how we measure up against one of those top-tier programs in the country. So Yeah, and so I feel like... The the invitational bracket is a lot more wide open or wide open in the means that it's like kind of more balanced. And then when you look at the bracket that Xavier's in, it's definitely Duke and Gonzaga up there. And then I'd say like Purdue, West Virginia, Xavier, and Florida are kind of the ones that are like you know flirting with chance of upset. And I, I really think that you know Xavier just has to take care of business against Florida, and then. Um, and then you just see what you know what shakes out, and I'm I'm really think that uh, Xavier has a good chance to come out of there. Um, you know these early season matchups, you never really know what's going to happen, because um, this is like the first real test. I mean, all these teams will most likely be playing fringe Division One teams those first few weeks. You know those non-conference. Maybe there's one rivalry game here and there, and then you go to Portland, and then it's team after team after team that's way beyond what you've been used to. So it's very possible that, you know, Sean Miller can get these guys ready for this very, um, pro like, I think this is a very important tournament for the program. This is going to be like, you know, I, th I think one of our first games is like Montana State or Montana, like, very... Very unserious basketball program. Shout out, sorry, Mount Montana. But whoa, hey, hey, <laughs> easy, easy, easy. Lay, lay off on the big sky. Um, yeah, we've got Kentucky Westland, which is exhibition game, and we've got Morgan State, and then Montana, um, and then Fairfield, which I actually think Fairfield and Montana really both could could give us a run for our money. And then we we do have the upper hand of we do get to play Indiana, 
um, right before that Phil Knight tournament. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be good, a, a nice little tune-up there. Um, and then we have, like, a week off before we head to Portland. Yeah. Like, the, the point being is that you're going to have three or four games that should be way below our our standard. And then you play Indiana. And then, you know, you walk in there to Portland. And that's going to be a real, a really good uh, opportunity for these boys and the Sean Miller to show what's this, what's this season going to look like. And I... I feel like that's going to be the message across, you know, like, you know, set the tone for the rest of the season. Like, do you want to go there and you lose to Florida, you lose a consolation game, and then you lose to whoever in sixth or for the sixth and seventh place game? Like, I don't think that's the goal. And I really think that these boys will be locked in for it because this is an excellent opportunity uh, for Sean Miller and the rest of the guys after. While it was a successful season and the fact that, you know, you end the season as champions in the NIT, um, it wasn't what the goal was, obviously. Uh, being an NCAA tournament, um, almost locks in January to the NIT. So they have a great opportunity to show what they want this season to be about come uh, Thanksgiving time this year. Absolutely, and I think obviously we're both very very much looking forward to that that'll be coinciding with the world cup as well i mean oh my god be, great week it's gonna be it's gonna be hog heaven there we play we play the u.s play england that friday mm-hmm. um which is just gonna be the best i i don't know about you i don't know if you've already looked at it but we were talking about it back here with my kind of group of friends here back home and then we all watch we all, we've always you know all go to the sporting kc games together and watch all the u.s games together and things like that um and we all found out that we're all gonna be home for thanksgiving um, and with it being on Black Friday that day after, we were like, oh, we all got to get together. And I, man, I'm getting so excited for the World Cup. Um, but yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be great. Because think about it, I mean, we'll have, we'll have college basketball preseason tournaments that week. Um, we'll have, obviously, World Cup games, kind of the crown jewel being that, that U.S.-England match that Friday. And then it's also, that's also NCAA football rivalry week. Mm-hmm. So that weekend's, you know, Michigan-Ohio State, you know, all the, all the big ones. Auburn-Alabama, all those phenomenal games that are always you know just so awesome to watch so that that whole week weekend is just going to be you're, i'm going to be glued to the couch with multiple screens so. yeah it will be very funny if someone tries to make me do a chore around the house or make me go out <laughs> to eat like i i will not be i'll i just won't somewhere, be doing anything that not, week somewhere that's not b-dubs yeah um i'm really just gonna like strap like a tv to like my like right in front of my chest, so wherever I go, I could just Your watch waist. it. Yeah, and then I'm gonna like you know like those NFL playbook wristbands. I'm just gonna put like my phone <laughs> that, on. That's that. gonna be your TV remote. Yeah. Yeah, put the TV remote <laughs> in there. Yeah, and the other one's just gonna have like my phone locked in. Um, yeah. On the topic of that, uh, World Cup 2022 and Qatar. Who's the favorite for you? Okay, so it's funny you say that because we were having this conversation recently, and I, this is the first like World Cup that I've seen in my lifetime. And so, and keep in mind, this is like since I've been conscious of soccer, so like pretty much since like 2010. So what is this like the fourth World Cup in my lifetime? Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is the first World Cup where there isn't like a clear-cut favorite because in 2010 it was spain and that ended up coming through and spain won the world cup and everyone kind of saw that coming Mm -hmm. in 2014 i would say it was germany was up there i would say it was brazil honestly um and obviously we all know how that ended um in the semifinals but i think brazil was kind of the favorite that year and then in 18 it was like oh my god france is going to win the world cup like it's not even gonna be close um so this is the first time that I think, like, looking at the field, I don't see, like, a clear-cut favorite. Like, I think I think France is still obviously very good. I wouldn't be surprised if they went back-to-back. But some of their guys are getting older, you know, and they're starting to lose some legs on some of those, you know, creative players that were so key um, in that 18 World Cup. Um, I think both Ronaldo and Messi, you know, I, I think they're great for the game, obviously. I'm going to miss them when they're gone, but... They're both kind of on their way out, so I can't really say Portugal or Argentina. Um, I think England had their chance in the Euros. Um, I think it's, you know, again, starting to kind of get towards the end of it. Like, I like I legitimately, and this is not like a, a U.S. homer thing, I legitimately do think that 
the U.S. can beat England. Like, I really do. Um, it'll take an inspired performance for sure. Um, and I don't know, you know, if we have that in us or whatever. Because I can also see us losing, like, 3-1 to Wales. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Gareth Bale, who knows what he can do. Because, um, you know, it's Wales, golf, and then his club team. Yeah. It's always his order of importance. So, uh, you know, when he pulls it out the bag, you you never know. what I mean, he can do some absolutely insane things in big matches. So, um, but, yeah, and then I think, I mean, I think Germany's too old. I think Belgium's past their prime. Um, I think the Netherlands is a little bit of a sneaker team. I think they could... Uh, be pretty good. Obviously, no Italy in this World Cup, which honestly, Italy would probably be my favorites coming off the Euros two years ago, or last summer that was, mm-hmm. um, because of COVID. Um, but, I mean, Italy didn't even make the World Cup, so, you know, who who knows? Um, I do think, I really do think one of my one of my big dark horses that I will be riding for, too, just because of the situation in the Euros and everything, I think the Danish, like, could really cause some serious trouble. I think Denmark's a very good team. Um, but to answer your question, I really don't have a favorite. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. I, I really do think it's anyone's tournament. If I had to pick one, I'd probably say France, um, just because it makes most sense. But again, like I, I, I think this is so open. Yeah, I'm feeling the same way. Um, I just feel like there hasn't been like a dominant team, you know, past you know. No, I agree. Years. I think everyone's shown some vulnerability the last, like through qualifiers and everything. Like, it, it, there hasn't been a team that's gone out and like won every match, mm-hmm. you know, very substantially. Yeah, and I feel like we're entering a very strong generation where like every team, they're just going to be like filled with younger and younger star players. You know, the, the rate that the sport is growing, growing globally, and I could really see like inspired performance of the Portugal youngins and the um, Argentinian youngins, you know, just like pulling up and being like, this is our, this is our guy. You know, we grew up watching him for the 18 years of our life and now we're here. Um, so I'm definitely, I would de- definitely not be shocked with the Portugal or Argentina victory. I feel like France has to be the betting favorite. Um, and then uh, I, you know, you touched on it a little bit, and I, I think I'm pulling for the Netherlands this year as one of my teams. Let's go. I'd probably say France is the biggest, and then Portugal, Argentina, depending on who can have a better all-around team. And then I'd go Netherlands. I feel like they have a good balance of one of the best defenses in world football. And then you have Memphis Depay and Malin and Bergweis and Bergvine. It's just so many you know dynamic offensive players and Frankie De Jong in the middle. They got some great options all around, so that's I go I go Netherlands, the the orange Dutch, the flying Dutchman. Yeah, flying Dutchman. Um, well, not that we have any time on our schedule to do this, but we could go Jason. We could do a, a football pod as well, but I think you know we maybe should stick to hoops for now. <laughs> um, but that's a good one. I love that, and we can always break off into that stuff as well. Um, but yeah. Um, it should be it should be a good one. I, I can't wait and uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there's a lot of it gets very open and obviously I mean, you know, I'm pulling for the US through and through, but on the outside outside chance that we do get, you know, Argentina and Portugal both on opposite sides of the of the uh, knockout stages kind of getting closer and closer to that final, dude, if we got an Argentina Portugal World Cup final, I I just can't even explain to you how incredibly cool that would be. I mean, it, it would just be to see those two teams play against each other, you know, for a World Cup title with those two, two the two best players of all time. I mean, I just think, you know, you really, you really can't make it up. You can't, you can't, you know, dream for stuff like that. Um, but man, it would be cool. Yeah, I mean, I'd fly to Qatar. If that happened, yeah, <laughs> that would be insane. Seriously, absolute insanity. Alrighty, let's uh, let's keep rolling. What's your next? Was that your next? Yeah, that uh, was my next one. So it's oh, up okay, to you okay, now. Okay. Cool. Alrighty, I got um, I got like two more for us. We'll maybe try and get through these a little bit quicker. Um, so this comes from listener uh, eight hundred ninety three, um, <laughs> Hank Salisbury out of Overland Park, Kansas. Good buddy of mine, just for background, he is headed to Creighton next year. He's a clown. He thinks Omaha is a cool city, whatever. Um, but, and of course, this is him, uh, you know, being excited for this team next year. 
Um, he said, is Creighton the best team in the Big East? And do they have a team you could see going deep with seven E's in March? Uh, he goes, I'm talking Natty. Um, I'm going I'm to defer to you because he already knows what I'm going to say. Um, first of all, Peyton Manning invented Omaha. Um, second, <laughs> second of all, um, I think, like, with all with all bias aside, they're probably the betting favorite to win the Big East. You know, you return. No, they're for sure the best. They got to be. Let me look at it. You you return the most talent. You have a great coach, and you've built a reputable program. So I feel like they're a clear betting favorite, and I feel like this team has elite eight potential. And I don't really feel like I have to flinch when I say that. Um, I mean, I think anyone that runs the gauntlet in the Big East and wins it should be a elite eight, possibly final four team based on potential. Um, I mean, maybe this is me being difficult, but do does Creighton have that guy? Like, maybe I'm nitpicking, but... You know, they have a great defensive player in Colt Brenner. Nimhart is an amazing guard that can lead your offense. And um, remind me his name, the freshman. No. Shearman. No. Oh. Co- is it Kalula? Uh, oh, Kaluma. Kaluma. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Kaluma. Yeah. Is that- I mean, he's a great player. Um, but, you know, they're, no, they're filling, a, filling a void in Ryan Hawkins. Ar- Arthur. Arthur Kaluma. Arthur Kaluma. You know, he's a very solid player. How could I forget he freaking killed KU <laughs> in the in the tournament game, dude? That guy, he couldn't miss. Um, but you're filling the void of Ryan Hawkins, who's one of the best players in the Big East. Um, you know, he was their go-to scorer guy. So I feel like if they establish a guy, someone they could turn to to go get a bucket, someone who could close the games, and maybe that could be Nemhard or Kaluma, you know, towards the end of the year. Um like, I'm not sold on them. If you're returning players where it was like Hawkins was one of your returning players, I'd be like, I mean, crap. But um, I guess that's just something you'll have to play by ear just because you don't really know what you're getting. Um, one of my JV head coaches uh, from back in the day of high school had a great quote. He said, um, if you have a bad season with young players – and they're all coming back for the next season, you can't say you're going to be good because those same players were bad the year before. And while Creighton had a great season and outdid Xavier in many more ways than one, they still weren't that team, and you're still bringing back most of those guys. So they have to prove themselves before I could be like Natty or Deep Run or whatever, but I feel like they're, they're ceiling – Without any, without any proving to themselves, uh, would most likely be a um, elite eight or final four run. I feel like that's a very normal thing to say, just based on returning talent. Yeah, I mean, I I'd agree with you there. Um, I just think the thing that I fall back on that I that I see is the only fault with Creighton is, and this is on like this is an honest you know opinion and take. I don't love Greg McDermott. Like, I just don't think he's that reliable. Um, I just don't. I, I don't see him being, you know, the, uh, you know. Alrighty, sorry, we uh, we lost you again. Um, another Zoom issue. Um, but this will be the last time we're doing this this year. Then we'll be back in person for the next one. So, no more of these weird like middle of the episode cuts where maybe we could drop an ad, but you know we're not that popular yet. So. Um, anywho, we move on. Um, I was talking about Greg McDermott um, and Creighton, and I just I don't see. It, it's not that I don't think McDermott's a good head coach. I just he hasn't been able to prove himself. He hasn't put himself in a position where he's, you know, coached in a really high profile or high level game. So yeah, I'd just be interested to see kind of how he handles that um, when he's playing top tier teams and when he's playing top tier opponents and going up against top tier coaching. Um, I'm not saying he can't do it. I would just be interested to see. Um, how that lines up. So, anyway, that's kind of my thought on Creighton going forward. Um, real quick, I was looking. They don't have the conference odds out yet, um, but they do have the national championship odds. Um, 
there's one mid-major team that we did not give any love to that is actually tied with Gonzaga at the top of the odd sheet. Graham, who do you think it is? Dayton. No. Good guess, though. It's going to be the Houston Cougars. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, them and Gonzaga both are plus 1,000. I think they're returning everybody. I don't think they lost anybody. Mm-mm. Yeah, so, I feel like they're coming back. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, just to read off the rest of the odd sheet, at least down to Creighton. Um, North Carolina's plus 1,100 along with Kentucky. Kansas plus 1,200. Duke plus 1,300. Arkansas plus 1,400. Baylor plus 1,500. UCLA plus 1,600. Arizona plus 2,000. Uh, and then Creighton and Michigan are tied at plus 2,500 to win the national title. So... They're in the conversation. They're a little bit down there, um, but they're definitely on the sheet. Um, Xavier all the way down there at plus 8,000, tied with Ohio State and Dayton. What? <laughs> um, bad take. Yeah, so just, yeah, bad take. I don't think Dayton's going to be that good this year. That'll come back to bite me. But anyhow, um, <laughs> all right, so that kind of wraps on the Creighton bit. Graham, do you have one or two more for me? How many you got left over there? How many, how many, how many tricks you got left to pull out of your sleeve? Um, I got one really good one. Um, okay, we'll we'll stick with that, and then we'll. I got one for you, and then we'll wrap it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, blessed with the amazing opportunity to go to dinner with three college basketball personalities, whether they're former players, current players, former coaches, current coaches, uh, media guys, whatever it may be, of any era. With three college basketball personalities, would you go to dinner with? This is a really difficult one. Um, I would say off the top of my head, I think Jim Valvano has to be there. Um, just because of his, I mean, his just life force, like, period. Like, I, like I, if he wasn't a basketball coach, I'd still want him to be there. Like, I, like he just was such a just unbelievable person to you know and everybody that talks about you know how they're affected by him is just always so positive um so yeah definitely Valvano um I think Vital would be up there did you see his speech at the ESPYs I did bald I mean I cried I was like this guy is really unbelievable so um I, w- I would think Vital would be on there. But, gosh, I mean, there's just there's so many players. Like, I mean, my favorite college basketball player of all time is Frank Mason. Um, and I, like, would absolutely love to, you know, sit down and kind of pick his mind on, <clears throat> you know, just different moments in his career and, you know, what was so important to him about playing at such a high level. Um, you know, in school and in the position he was at and how he came as a transfer student from Townsend and, you know, I mean, yeah. all those cool stories. I think that would be awesome. Um, I, yeah, I think it'd have to be that because, you know, probably my favorite coach of all time, probably my favorite announcer of all time, and then probably my favorite player of all time. I think that I think that wraps it pretty good. Obviously, there's so many, I mean, you know, you could say Michael Jordan. Like, that's a, you know, kind of a hard mm-hmm. one to miss. But, uh, but Graham, what about you? Why don't you, why don't you counter me? Um, so I had Dickie V and Jim Valvano in my, in my two. So to give the people a different answer, um, and stick with my main number one would be, um, Bill Walton. I think he is the most eccentric person on the planet. Um, the fact that his, uh, mid-season NCAA tournament prediction had all um, of the Pac-12 teams making the tournament. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Um, it's the conference of champions. Yeah. Just because of <laughs> him and Lou Alcindor winning for however many years in a row. Um, I just, I don't even know, and this is bad for, because I should probably know this, I don't even know who the play-by-play guy is that ESPN sticks with that poor guy. But, I mean, literally, I'm not kidding you. Whenever I watch a Pac-12 game, it's like he's freaking babysitting Walton. Like, yeah. it's like it's like he's just constantly like, no, you can't say that. No, stop. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. It, It's just amazing that it exists. 
That, that's right. They, but I just like for a company like ESPN and Disney to just be like, "Yep, like just keep rolling it out, like whatever, we don't care." Well, no disrespect to um the Pacific Northwest, but I feel like that might be the only reason people would watch Washington versus Oregon State at Thursday yeah, at ten thirty p.m. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. It's also, I mean, it's really good, you know, sleep music too. But whatever you prefer. <laughs> Um, the other one I, w- I would throw out there would be Christian Leitner. I yeah. feel like he yeah. had so much going on in those four or three years, whatever it ended up being, that it would just be unbelievable to, um, like, just pick his brain and just, like, just tell me, like, the, the normal day setup for what he had to endure, um... And oh, and this is this is a tough one because it got rid of two. Um, ha! Huh. I would I would love to um, talk to like just Coach K, and just what he yeah. would went through from you know one of the younger coaches in college basketball to one of the older all the players that he's walked through. And I wouldn't want to know about, like, um, you know, like, oh, what's Zion or Shane Battier or Jay Williams, like any of, like, those big guys. But, like, just tell me, like, like a weird parent story. Just, like, something that, like, only he would know about, like, some of his former players. Because I feel like when you've coached for that yeah, t- long. Tell me about, like, tell me about, like, Miles Plumley. Like, what was yeah. going on with that guy? Like, yeah. Like, I would love to just know, like, the most random things. And I feel like he could keep, um, you know, Bill Walton in check a little bit and balance out the room a little bit uh, while we're going to town on some nice food at whatever restaurant we end up at. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good one. The other one I thought about, too, while you're, especially on the later note, is, like, the Fab Five. Like, like really any of them, but, like, hearing from, like, I mean, even – you know, I, I think Chris, like, no offense to him, would maybe be a little bit more of a, you know, eh conversation, um, even though he was kind of the man. Um, but, like, hearing from a guy like Jalen that obviously has a lot of personality doing all this stuff with ESPN now, mm-hmm. um, you know, hearing from Jawan, who now is obviously coaching um, in Michigan, you know, what that's like, coaching at a school that, like, you know, to some extent kind of screwed you over a little bit, right? Like, that's an interesting um yeah, you like know, where? conversation to have. J- like Jimmy King, obviously, was a phenomenal role player, and then like guys, like a guy like Ray Jackson. Like, I think Jackson would be a great conversation because he was kind of that. Oh yeah, he was the fifth one in that. You know, people a little bit forget about Ray Jackson, and mm-hmm. I think he was a phenomenal player in his own right. So I think it would be awesome to kind of hear what he has yeah. to say as well from like, from his perspective. Like, what's he doing nowadays? Like, I would love to know. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what Ray Jackson is doing. Let's, let's take a look. Um, he runs a nonprofit basketball program called Rise Up in Austin, Texas, that assists children socially, educationally, and on the basketball court. So it's like a basketball you know training slash nonprofit thing. I actually think I've seen this. This is um, – God, I was just reading about this one. I get the book right here. Um, I'm reading – I don't know, you're a, you're a big John Feinstein guy? Yeah. I'm reading The Back Roads to March, would highly mm-hmm. recommend. Um, it's about all the, quote, the unsung, uh, unheralded, and unknown heroes of college basketball season. It's phenomenal. Um, he's a big East Coast guy, so he's introducing me to a lot of stuff that I had, like, traditions and stuff that I didn't really know about. Um, so that's an interesting one, but, uh, yeah, yeah, um... Griffith Aldridge, I believe, actually started that in Houston. Hmm. Um, he's a coach now for... Um, sorry. He's a coach now for... Well, he was, he was on the UMBC staff um, when they obviously beat Virginia. Um, 
Oh, the, oh, duh. He co- he coaches for the uh, the Longwood Longwoods, um, who just made their first NCAA tournament last year. So, anyways, beside the point, we're getting off track here. But uh, but I, I believe he started that Rise Up um, deal in, in Houston, and I must have moved to moved to Austin where Ray is continuing there. So that's cool, cool to cool to see that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, where were we? Where, where were we? Uh, we wrapped up the dinner conversation. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can wrap it. I got one one more for you, and it's actually kind of funny because it's a little bit old news because we recorded two days before I left for vacation, and of course, on my first day of vacation, I'm sitting uh, at dinner with my family in Custer State Park, South Dakota, and this comes across my page. USC and UCLA are moving to the Big Ten. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, what are we doing now? Um, so, good friend of mine, Ben Curtis, um, he texted me. Uh, he had a couple different things, but I'll, I'll kind of synopsis it. To, well, he had a couple interesting things. One, I will say, he did say, you know how they have the doubleheaders at the Palestra every year with, like, the Philly schools? Like, you've got, like, Temple and LaSalle and Villanova and Penn and Drexel and they all play in those games. Um, mm-hmm. He was saying, like, shouldn't th- we should make that like a single elimination tournament um, every year? You know, with the with the Philly universities only, which is an interesting take. I'd love to love to see that. Um, but his biggest thing was, um, you know, what what's going to happen to these smaller conferences? You know, moving forward with these with these mega conferences and we're, you know, we're creating these cause I mean, obviously this is all rumor, but a lot of what's kind of been swirling around is okay. So if, you know, if we move into the, the best from the PAC 12, we're going to the big 10. Um, you know, the kind of thought is that the big 12 is going to kind of turn into the remainders of the big 12 and the remainders of the, of the PAC 12 and kind of add those two together. Um, Kansas, you know, there's some speculation. They might go independent with football. Um, and get into the Big East. The Big East is kind of looking, because they're a basketball-only conference, they're looking at kind of becoming a basketball super conference, um, you know, kind of hand-in-hand with destroying the ACC a little bit because the ACC is looking like they're in a really tough spot with Clemson football kind of going downhill. Um, So there's some discussion that Duke might be headed to the Big East. Kansas basketball-only might be headed to the Big East. Gonzaga, that was already kind of rumored, you know, a couple years ago and has been rumbling for a while, but there's discussion of that. Um, so with all of those things, I like kind of, you know, in our heads and thinking, all right, so if majority of the ACC heads to the SEC and, you know, or the Big Ten, kind of break it up, north half, south half, whatever, however you want to do it. Um, you know, and then that, that Pac-12 and, you know, lower Pac-12, lower Big 12 kind of, you know, combine a little bit. Um, and then we see a lot of those good basketball programs go to the Big East. You know, how does that affect, you know, the Atlantic 10 and the Valley and the American and, you know, conferences like that, that are consistently sending some good mid-major teams. Um, but now we're going to have less and less and less and less of a chance because these at-large bids are already hard to come by for these smaller conferences. Um, and when you have now, you know, 25 teams in, in these large conferences and you've got 14 making it from the SEC and you've got 15 making it from the biggest, you know, whatever, like, you know, what does that look like for, um, those smaller conferences and, and how does, you know, how do you think that affects the game and do you think it's positive or negative change? You know, kind of what's your thought on that? Well, first of all, plain and simple, I hate it. Um, no, I, 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 abs- I absolutely hate it. Um, first thing I want to get out of the, the second thing I want to get out of the air is like when people say like, okay, but like when Gonzaga joins the Big East, like what's like the women's tennis going to do? First of all, Basketball conference is going to generate so much money that we're just going to be shelling it out of the wazoo for all the sports, because you have to divvy up the money. That's how, that's how it works. Like, it's the reason that Xavier is a nice school in the middle of Cincinnati, a private small school, is because the men's basketball team has generated millions upon millions since 1980. Um, so money will always be divvied up you know, for the smaller programs at each individual school. Um, I am not a fan of this, like, cross-region super conference crap. Um, Multiple reasons. We're going to lose personality. 
like um huge thing and i mean you can talk more about you know big 12 um but like i'm just going to talk about what i know in the big 10 it's these you know tailgates you know five in the morning with a whole bunch of just redneck midwesterners that love each other and you just get all your friends in one little parking spot it doesn't matter if it's 20 below or those weird august september nights that they're noon games that are like 95 degrees um you know it's the strong offensive linemen it's very few flashy players it's you know just like the grit and grind of you know division one football and then the secs you know like the big state schools with um you know you your khaki shorts and the golf shirts to games and um, huge stadiums like every every conference has its own personality and I feel like when you're adding USC and UCLA you know to you know Los Angeles schools and to like the Big Ten like I don't want to see UCLA playing Iowa in November like that's just gonna be weird like I'm gonna hate it and I just feel like we're going to lose personality. We're going to lose, like, the special, like, moments. Like, the Rose Bowl. It's always Pac-12 versus Big Ten. What's it going to be when, like, we see, like, UCLA versus Oregon in the Rose Bowl? Like, I'm going to hate, like, that kind of stuff. Um, And it's going to be death to mid-majors for all these uh, big season tournaments where... um, you know, you're sending one team at least from each conference. I mean, we've seen these not amazing stories where, you know, like the West Coast sent four teams, A-10 sent two or three teams, and, um, like, it's always great to see, you know, these mid-majors represented. When the Big Ten just added two tournament teams this year, and they already sent, what, eight, nine, ten this year, I mean, it's going to get real messy real soon. It's a shame, like, how much of this has been controlled by money. And with the NIL era upon us, it's just going to get worse, you know. Um, So I'm really not a fan of uh, what's to come uh, next next few years. Yeah, no, I mean, I obviously agree with you entirely. And I I think it's interesting because, you know... I agree with you, like, the regional personality and all that um, obviously plays a key factor, but, like, on top of that, like, I, I guess to me it's just, like, what's what's the point of, you know, having all these teams play all these difficult conference games? Because then you're making, you know, the teams the, you know, no offense to these teams, but the, the Northwesterns of the world and the, the Iowa States some years and the, the Nebraskas, you know, now you're you're making them worse too. Like you're hurting. Like while sure you might be benefiting, you know your best teams and your your highest paid teams and whatnot. You're making your worst teams worse because I'm telling you right now, no recruit is gonna be like, oh yeah, I really want to go play in the SEC and go play for Vanderbilt and get my butt kicked every single game. You know, like that's not that's not fun. Dude. No one's looking yeah. forward to that. You know, and so I think. They'd almost be more prone to go to, you know, an Iowa or a Notre Dame or something like that where it's, you know, a school that's maybe not as good. It might still give them a look, but, you know, they they might have more chance of winning a couple games. So I think it I think it, it has both effects, and I think that's what we're not realizing is that, yeah, sure, it's going to make you more money. It's going to get that big-time Alabama-Texas matchup. Oh, my God, all the, you know, one billion people are going to watch that game. Whatever. Like, that's fine, and I get all that. But it's also going to make your worst teams worse. I mean, I just don't. I don't see how now with all these great teams in here, Ole Miss is going to become a relevant football program again. Like they're just not, and it's unfortunate because I, you know, I personally love when you get those few years where Ole Miss is really good or Arkansas is really good or whatever. You get that, you know, occasional kind of smaller. I mean, relatively smaller um, SEC school that's not, you know, traditionally amazing every year. Um, to see when they get a good year, it's kind of fun. So. I think that's it's unfortunate, and it's you know you're gonna lose those those bottom feeder teams as well to some extent. Yeah, it's we're almost going to see, like, 
you know, usually you have like your your returning teams like Ohio State and Alabama and like Clemson. I mean, this year's kind of a um a down year for them, but like it's like the returning teams, but like every year you just have like that one team that exceeds expectations. And I really don't think you're going to see that in this new super conference NIL era um because like why would I why would I go to this school when I can go to Alabama or something and have like that opportunity or whatever? Or why would I go to this conference and like you said, get my butt kicked or I could just go get this NIL deal to play at Wake Forest in a bad conference, you know? Um, As much as I'm for, you know, player empowerment and I am a firm believer that they should be getting rewarded for their image and likeness. Um, I feel like there wasn't enough planning involved with the amount of NIL control is going to have over the recruiting and eligibility process for the years to come. Um, I mean, some of my favorite players have been, you know, messed up due to just profiting off of their name and, you know, signing autographs or whatever it may be. And it's a very devastating story. At the end of the day, this this NIL era is going to open up a lot of problems for the next few years to come, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. So we'll kind of wrap it um, with that. And um, also want to drop another bomb here real quick. I don't know if you saw this, Graham. Uh, Bill Self got pulled off the recruiting trail yesterday, or maybe two days ago, um, by the NCAA. So this might be uh, this might be a trial time here for the for the University of Kansas. We might actually finally be seeing some uh, some movement on that. So I'll be interested to see kind of what happens in the next few days, few weeks, few months coming up to the season. Um, but I definitely think that's a case that we got to keep our eye on. And also, obviously, what you know, Sean Miller still haven't heard anything on him. Is he? able to coach the first game or does he have to sit out a few you know blah 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 so we will um be i'll be keen to see kind of what happens in at least those two personal cases um moving forward but we are starting to see the ncaa make a few moves here about mid to late summer so anywho that'll wrap us here for the final summer miscellaneous pod um here on tuesday july 26th like i said um and yeah we'll be back in person here real soon a couple weeks and uh we'll get that first kind of that mid-august pod up when we are back together we got our new setup in the room um and yeah i'll be looking forward to it graham yeah um you know it's just around the corner until some normal normalcy and once we're organized under the same roof we'll have a bunch of stuff coming towards you preparing for the season um just a few months away until you don't have to hear us talk about college football and the World the Cup, World Cup. And, <laughs> and eating dinner. We can focus on what what's our bread and butter, which is talking uh, college basketball and focusing on our musketeers for a few minutes at the end. So looking forward to that um, for the time being. hope everyone has a good rest of their summer. We'll see you all very soon. Bye. Cheers.